0: city it's your man big pat the voice of your charlotte hornets and you're listening to the all hornets podcast network presented by sports illustrated it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke. I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do? Liquor bark. Doing pretty well, man. The Hornets, uh, still bad. We did beat the Bucks yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, the day before that, actually, by <laughs> a large margin, which was... Shocking, uh, perhaps the most confusing game of the year, but overall Hornets still not very good, still uh, in the race for Victor Wimbanyama. And Tim, I got to thinking uh, the other day, you know, just why are the Hornets so bad with almost the same roster as last season? And it dawned on me, we are missing one very important piece, and that is Vernon Carey Jr., that's the reason why they were <laughs> this year.
1: Ah, oh, the missing piece. How could we forget,
0: man? Yeah, his his leadership in the locker room clearly is uh, going going miss this year. But uh, no, actually, what it is is uh, Steve Clifford, and the hiring of Steve Clifford and the firing of James Borrego is looking worse and worse uh, as the season goes on. Obviously. We did not want to get Steve Clifford. We were looking to hire somebody else. Uh, but we won't we won't talk about that on the podcast. We won't bring up his name on this podcast. We won't give, <laughs> give that give that guy any credit. But uh yeah, that, that hiring is just looking really bad. Um the offensive rating is down four points from last season, I believe. And defensive rating also worse. The defense is worse, the offense is worse, and really, okay the only thing that's different about this roster is that, okay, we've had a couple injuries and then miles bridges is not on this team this year. So there's, there's no excuse for the team to be this much worse than last season.
1: Well, no, but you know, what you're failing to understand, Mark, is he holds these guys accountable. Okay. (laughs) He's turning a bunch of kids into men. No, I'm just kidding. No, that rah, rah BS doesn't work. Yeah. We knew it didn't work. You know what happened in July?
0: Yep. Yep. And I think as much as the players, you know, put on like a good face in the interviews and, you know, they don't talk about it. I, I think we know that the team, you know, does not like Steve Clifford. I think that's, uh, you know, if you read between the lines, you can, you can kind of parse that out. And uh, I think if we were a different team, if we were like in a bigger market, Steve Clifford would already be gone. Um, He would already, already not be on this team anymore. Uh, But because we're Charlotte and Michael Jordan doesn't want to, uh, have to continue to pay Steve Clifford's contract. He's going to be with us for a little bit longer, Tim. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of just dawned on me is that uh, I'm now I'm now on the fire Steve Clifford train. I hope I hope the Hornets uh, will part ways with Steve Clifford and fi- find a new coach next off season. I gotta say, yeah, I
1: uh, I don't know if you keep up with the NFL at all, but uh, this happened with the Denver Broncos who had a very disappointing season, and they fired. Their first-time head coach within the season, like he only lasted like 15 games, they gave him the boot. So I mean, I'm already talking myself into you know the four-year anniversary of Hornets and heartbreak, where we celebrate James Borrego coming back.
0: (laughs) That's what the Hornets do. They just reset. We'll just bring back James Borrego, uh, and then if (laughs) that doesn't work, we'll bring back Clifford again. See if see if it works that time. Um, uh, So what we're going to be talking about today? It's a new year. Uh, new pod, we're going to be con- releasing episodes on a more consistent basis. Uh, and we have some New Year's resolutions not only for ourselves but for the Hornets players. And uh, I'm going to get started here, Tim, with the biggest player on the team, LaMelo Ball. And an obvious New Year's resolution for LaMelo would be play better defense. Everybody knows that LaMelo is not a particularly good defender he's actually a very bad defender he gets some steals he gets some blocks but um all his defense uh defensive metrics are bad um and that's the biggest knock on him at this point but i'm gonna go something a little bit more exciting okay this thought occurred to me uh while i was in bed Uh, you could say that i was dreaming and i came up with this one uh lamello should cut out the floater okay it's a nice shot it's a fun shot but I don't think it's an effective shot for LaMelo. The players that are famous for shooting floaters are always like small guards, like Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Tony Parker. How many players that are six seven shoot floaters as regularly as LaMelo? The reason you shoot floaters is because you aren't tall enough to finish at the rim, but I think LaMelo, if he dedicates himself to finishing at the rim, can become a much, much better finisher. And the numbers back this up, 55% this season from less than five feet, and he's shooting 44% from five to nine feet, 45% from 10 to 15, and 33% from 15 to 19 feet. So if he just dedicates himself to getting to the rim and cuts out that floater, instead of like, you know, kind of like passing up the uh, opportunity to drive to the rim, he will become a more efficient scorer. And I think that's just, like, been our biggest knock on LaMelo offensively since since his rookie year is that he doesn't get to the rim enough and he doesn't finish enough. But if he starts just, like, actually working on getting to the rim, he'll become a better finisher. And he has the skill set to do it. He's 6'7", and he's very fast. Um, I think he's stuck, like, playing like, you know, he's a small guard, like he was, like, in high school. But he's no longer a small guard. He's a very big guard, actually. So he should try to get to the rim more this year.
1: Yeah, I have uh, two thoughts on that. Um, one, and you know, I'm not questioning his work ethic at all, but it's like, man, if you really want to get to the rim, that means like August second, you're waking up at six o'clock to hit the weight room. Yeah, you know, work on your game, hit the weight room again, do all that. Whereas, like. If you just want to get good at floaters, like you just carve out an hour a day, you get up some some one-legged floaters. It's a little easier, you know. It's a little less work. I'm not saying that's actually the case with him. Just more, more thinking for myself. And I do like the uh, the point about you know the size and like how many six seven guards or six seven players have like a go-to signature floater. Um, I think that's interesting. Lamelo has the Strangest, like, kinetic movement of any, like, great player I can think of. Mm-hmm. You know, like, certain guys, like, if you watch Darius Garland go down the court versus, like, Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, if they're just swapping, like, looks pretty similar. Lamelo just kind of, like, his knees are always moving around, his elbows, he's, like, herky-jerky. He just has, like, a very strange pattern of movement, getting to the basket and just just moving around a basketball court. I've never seen a player just move like he does not even like making cuts just like walking down the court he just stands out
0: yeah so I mentioned briefly like like he was a small guard in high school he was playing with his older brothers um and I think it comes from that and uh obviously he's made changes to his game since then but but sort of that like uh style of dribbling that you're talking about I think that comes from being a small guard in in like the development process, and um, I think he ne- he just needs to really work on just sprint to the rim and lay the ball up. There will be times when he's around the rim. He like one of his best passes of the year was the other day. Uh, I think Oof. it was the Grizzlies where he like contorted and threw it out to uh, the top of the key. PJ, PJ, was it, it there? That was a great pass. But also, like, couldn't he have gotten a layup there, Tim? I think he could have. Like, uh, so other players that are six seven, I think of that have like a floater would be Luka Doncic. But I was thinking about it, and Luka has to shoot the floater because he's slow, right? Lamelo has the physical skill set to be dunking the ball, but he's only attempted one dunk uh, since coming back from his injury this season. He has like a ridiculously low. Uh, dunk attempt rate so yeah that's that's my biggest knock on lamello is just not not getting to the rim enough and i think the way to kind of just like make sure that he's working on getting to the rim is just to tell himself you know okay i'm not going to shoot this floater anymore when i have an opportunity to shoot a floater guess what i also could be trying to get to the rim um and yeah that's that's uh that's my lamello new year's resolution
1: yeah like that i think you know maybe the height you know kind of falls back on a little much where like there are times where he has, like, a – you know, he's beat his man to the spot. But he's like, oh, I'm big enough. I'm going to get him on my back. Mm-hmm. So like, just to survey a little longer. That throws him off. And uh, your defensive point, like, I, I think that there was a common thing. You know, like, Ethan Strauss and Nate Duncan, I guess Kevin Arnovitz were the big guys, you know, about, like, six, seven years ago. Being like, ah, oh, you know, Chris Paul is a great defensive guard, but, like, does that really matter – And I think people then started to just devalue uh, guard defense, Mm -hmm. which I think overall, like, I think normally big men should win defensive player of the year. I think just like on like, you know, median level, they have, they provide more impact. You just don't want your lead guard to be like a defensive sieve. It's the Trey Young theory. Um, I hate to do it to my guy, but it's like Lamelo is reaching that point where it's like, wow, he's one of the worst defensive players like I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. At the guard position, you just need him to be not one of the two worst guard defenders in the league,
0: yeah. And I'll bring this up I don't think it matters at all right now, but if this team were to start winning down the road, that would be like a bigger uh thing for us to you know harp on is Lamel's defense. Like, I-, I don't really care right now, it do- I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I don't care right now, um, yeah. Yeah, like it just—it just doesn't. Matter. I wouldn't. The Hornets are not going. I play. wouldn't. I wouldn't trade like. Oh man, you know,
1: if Lamelo became a league average defender, it'd be okay if he shot thirty-five percent from three. It's like, nah, no, I'd rather just him continue to do what he's doing. We'll figure it out later. I think the talent around him haven't doing him any favors. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lamelo. I have another thing with the uh, stat as far as his uh, shot selection goes. Um, so, like against the Bucks, you know. You see the the sideline, you're like, okay, 8 of 21. Oh, he was 7 of 13 from three. That's great. That means he went 1 of 8 from two. And while shooting 7 of 13 from three is absolutely fantastic, and, you know, overall you prefer that than, like, you know, just being a stud from inside. But I do think that's a little problematic. Um, So he's at the point where 56% of his shots are threes. Last year that was 44%. Um his average shot distance is 18 and a half feet. It was 13 and a half his rookie year. And as a rookie he shot 49% from 2 and now that's down to 44. It's you know the shot coming in was the biggest concern and it seemed like everything else would you know be fine and then the shot in year 3 would come along. I mean the shot's really been there since about day 1. It is just a little concerning, and you know, it's more of a problem when it comes to like getting in the playoffs. And there is a misconception with Lamelo that he's not a good shooter because the form doesn't look great, and oh, he's not a good half-court player. I think he's perfectly fine in the half-court. Like, I don't think that he is just like tied up by defenses very often. I think that he has some pretty poor personnel to maximize his skills, and yeah, we would like for the two-point percentage, two percentage to get a little better.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that ties into my floater thing. I mean, that's what I was thinking about is like, how can he get better at twos? And it's the answer is to get to the rim more because it's easier to shoot at the rim. Um, And yeah, I think I agree with you about that misconception that he's a bad shooter. He's made the most threes since December 14th in the league. He's made 51 threes in the past like month or whatever. And that's the most in the league in that stretch when he went, since he came back from the injury. So, uh, well, Melo Ball, very good, very good three-point shooter, actually. The best three-point shooter on this team at this point um, and shooting an incredible volume of threes. So, 37%, like, to be able to maintain that number um, from three while shooting, like, what is it, 11 threes a game, 12 threes a game? Something like that,
1: right? it's like 11 and a half. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, to be able to maintain that percentage while shooting that many is actually just really impressive. Um, So, people who think he's a bad shooter – or just wrong. Um, you know, you see the ugly misses and you might think, oh, he's a bad shooter. That's just kind of how he shoots. Like, he's e- either going to swish it or it's going to, like, hit off the backboard. Um, and we've talked about that before. Like, that's just kind of his form with a with a little bit of a thumb flick uh, involved in in his shot. Um, but, yeah, uh, you want to move on to the next New Year's resolution or you got anything else on LaMelo?
1: Um, no, I think these kind of tie together. I want to talk about P.J. Washington.
0: Okay, uh, going
1: forward. So you know, obviously it was a contract year. Been thinking about what this deal could be for the last year or so, and kind of feel bad for him. I think that he's really like a victim of circumstance in a lot of ways because you know, Lamelo getting injured, not setting him up. You know, he who shall not be named um, is no longer there to alleviate some of the usage, and PJ Washington, you know. Last year was playing about 40% of his minutes at center. In the Borrego era, it kind of bumped up pretty high. Now he's playing 96% of his minutes at power forward. Uh, his two point field goal percentage has gone from 60% last year down to just below 50% this year. He's getting fewer shots at the rim, more shots in floater range. And um, really, just across the board, his advanced stats have been much worse. You know, like since his rookie year,
0: yeah. So I don't know if that'll actually I don't know how much that'll impact his contract because I think the you know Mitch Kupchak is aware that this team everybody is doing worse. Like with the exception of Lamelo, pretty much, everybody on this team is worse this year. Um because of uh you know Steve Clifford and then also the lack of an, another ball handler, another playmaker in Miles Bridges. Um the the whole team is just doing worse than they did last year. I think we've seen kind of enough of what PJ can do on an average team, like last year and the year before that, that he's still going to get a little bit of a bag, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, he's going to be begging on the streets or anything. Um, I always root for players to get as much money as possible. And I don't think that, I don't think he's like taken a step. Back. It's like, I, you know, I'm sure he worked hard this summer. Yeah, I think he's, you know, it really comes down to the fact that being a full-time power forward is a little different. And, mm-hmm. you know, last year when he was filling in on backup units, he could eat a little more. And I think it plays in with Lamello's finishing as well, where if there's always Mason Plumlee sitting at the rim, not being a threat, not attracting defensive attention, that's just another person that's in your way. And right. if he's getting guarded by center, the best defenders right there waiting for you. So I think PJ has been hurt by that. I think if he was on another team where he was getting a bunch of minutes at the backup five and, you know, had maybe a stretch big, like a Miles Turner that was next to him, like, I think that PJ's numbers would look better.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. Very, very good points. I, I haven't like singled out PJ as like somebody who's been doing particularly worse this year. Although if you look at the numbers he has, but to me, he looks like, Pretty much the same old PJ. Um, I I don't know. Just wa- watching the games, right? Like somebody like Terry Rogier, noticeably worse than last year. But PJ Washington, like I test, I haven't seen like him regress in any meaningful way.
1: So I wonder. I've I've kind of been to the belief, uh, even like since his rookie year, that for whatever, like sometimes advanced stats, you know, you like a guy normally like low usage. Uh, going up against second units, it just kind of helps. It makes your stats look a little better. And I think that maybe he was getting the benefit of some lucky rolls the last couple of years. But, you know, even like as a second-year player, he had like a positive on-off. Now he has the worst on-off rating on our team by yeah. a significant margin. Um, he's negative 12 on-off. And the next closest player is Mason Plumley at negative 8.
0: That's a good transition. Do you want to take Mason Plumlee's New Year's resolution too?
1: Yeah. um, Plumlee, uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to cut down on vulgar language. But for Mason, I got to say, stop trying to run the fast break and stop shooting with your left hand, you arrogant son of a bitch. (laughs) I mean, I think he is – like, people talk about, like, Oh, Trey Young, he, man, he hot dogs. Like, you know, he's so cocky. John Morant, he gritties. It's like, oh, he's so arrogant. Mason Plumlee is the most arrogant player in the league. <laughs> it's just like this dude is, you know, he threw four nice passes when he got to play with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And he was like, oh, I'm like the next Draymond Green. And he will try, like, he will look off the mellow ball on fast breaks. He will take these 17 foot uncontested jumpers i mean he wants to run the offense when lamello's off like he's always trying to get dhos going on i mean teach their own but people will say with well, him you don't understand he's a really good playmaker okay so he's got a 19 percent assist rate that's very good for a center he's also got a 16 and a half percent turnover rate so it's like yeah he throws a lot of risky passes and when they work it looks really cool but it's not actually effective he is the most arrogant player. I I can't believe how annoying he is, and the fact that his advanced stats are all right just bothers me to no end.
0: I love I love this energy, Tim. I think the point you made about the spacing is like uh, maybe the the biggest knock on Clifford is how insistent he is on playing Mason Plumley, and like even in like post game interviews, Ashley Shambadie will, will be like Terry Rozier, you know, he scored thirty nine points tonight, and Clifford will be like, uh, hold on, hold on. Mason Plumley anchored the defense <laughs> like like he just loves Mason plumley and Mason Plumley destroys the spacing when he's on the court um is he like a decent defensive player Sure uh just by having a center in the game the defense is going to be a little bit better but it kills our offense having Mason Plumley play so many minutes it kills PJ Washington's numbers it kills Lamelo Ball's ability to get to the rim and the the offense has been so much worse this year. Uh, I think the biggest thing you can point to is just always having a center in, and that's Steve Clifford.
1: Yeah, and it's like, you know, I think to you're walking at a team that had no defensive identity whatsoever. So, I mean, that is a great way, 48 minutes of what should just be, you know, above average defense, you know, with a big man in there. Yeah, it works. But we're now about halfway through the season and our defense is worse yeah, and also it's impressive. I mean, we're the only team. All everyone's talked about in the NBA media for the last like two weeks is, can you believe these crazy numbers? Where is someone scoring fifty points every night? Donovan Mitchell had seventy one. It didn't even seem that impressive. And then you're like, oh yeah, the Hornets. Our offense got worse. <laughs> it's like, like how how could that possibly be? And it's like, oh yeah, playing a traditional big for forty eight minutes a game.
0: Yes yeah yeah and i mean i we like nick richards we like you know mark williams here on the podcast but uh maybe you know maybe pj washington can also play the five maybe that's also a possibility we've never seen that work before right tim (laughs) (laughs) like uh yeah just get a little bit creative you don't you don't even have to get creative you can just steal it from james borrego i know you want to do a different thing but, but but just play pj washington the five a little bit um so you know I, I also like irrationally just hate watching Mason Plumley play. Um, it's not Mason Plumley's fault. you know, he's trying his best, but like can we please just see less less of him this new year? That's my New year's resolution is for Mason Plumley to bench himself. I want him to be like, no, Cliff, we can't do it. We can't We can't play me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody bit it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never you never hear about that with like, you know, oh, this guy's a great vet, man. He looks out for the young guys. It's like if Plumley was actually a great bet, he would be like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. <laughs> I'm just going to let these young guys grow. And, you know, hopefully, I got to say, I mean, but numbers-wise, like, you know, if you're ever on, like, NBA Red or anything, people will be like, man, Plumley, we had 14, 12, and five assists. That's yeah, a pretty monster game. It's like, yeah, if you actually watch the game, you'd see that he played way too deep in drop coverage 98% of the time, missed four potential blocks, and ruined three fast breaks. Yeah. It's like somehow Mason Plumlee has become like a good stats, bad player guy. And that just – I don't even think that's his fault. It's our fault for letting that happen.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Next up on the New Year's resolution, I have a triumvirate of players – uh, that are playing are shooting the worst, basically, of their career. So Terry Rogier shooting 31.4% from three. League average three-point shooting is 35.7. Terry's a guy who basically, like, his biggest thing plus to his game is his elite three-point shooting. Like, two years ago, he was shooting, like, second in catch-and-shoot threes. Um, and that is not the case anymore. He's not hitting threes. He did just come off of a very, very good game. 39 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. So hopefully he'll turn it around. Gordon Hayward also shooting terribly this year. An abysmal 30% from three, the lowest of his career. 42% from the field overall, the second worst of his career. And 13.7 points per game. His worst points per game since his second season in the NBA in 2011-2012, aka the uh, Bobcats' worst season of all time. Um, and then also Kelly Oubre Jr, who is currently out with an injury, you know, part of this new year's resolution is for him to get healthy. But people think like, oh, Kelly's having like a great year. he's upped his scoring. He's up his volume, but he's really, really down on efficiency. <laughs> uh he, he's shooting only thirty one percent on threes this year. and he does he does like look like a better player, but uh the eye test can be deceiving. His efficiency is the worst of his car- career, true shooting wise.
1: <laughs> yeah which is a uh, pretty impressive yeah i love the uh storylines with kelly coming out after the first five games where he was pretty much he threw james brago under the bus and was like yeah you know i was just asked to be a three-point shooter you know that's just not my game like you know i just want to like you know open up my arsenal
0: that was your yeah, question by, year, by the way Tim. good job tim that that answer yeah yeah, that- yeah yeah i'll give you a little credit there that you asked him about that right
1: I I did, and um, you know what? I was right at the time, but it hasn't been the case since, where yeah. he, at the time, I think was averaging like four and a half threes a game and lighting up for mid-range, looking like Brandon Ingram at times. It's very cool. And uh, yeah, so last year he was at like seven threes attempted per game, and now he's up to seven and a half per game. So it turns out it's just not as fun to take mid-range shots, and it's a little easier to just take contested threes, and that is what has happened.
0: Yep. Yep. so I guess the New Year's resolution for all three of these guys is uh, shoot better. I, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> like, like just what I happened? Haven't. What happened, guys? Like, is this a uh, space jam where the aliens came in and take away our ability to shoot? I, I don't really know uh, what's going on. I mean, P.J. Washington also falls in this camp, wor- shooting worse from three. Just everybody's shooting worse. It's like we got like a bug and it's just going around the team. Oh yeah, and I
1: think, you know, some of that came from the fact that we had, like, an historic first-half shooting
0: mm-hmm. last
1: season. Everyone was just, you know, lighting it up, having the time of their lives, shooting 42%. And I think we've seen a similar thing with the the Celtics, even in, in this season, where it's like, when they were shooting 44% from three, that offense was humming. Everything looked good. They looked unbeatable. Obviously, we were never unbeatable, but at least offensively, we were searching. And it's like, yeah, so if all of your players just are having you know anomalous uh three-point shooting seasons yeah it's probably going to drop down on the other end at some point and it's kind of all come crashing down at the same time um i will say it's uncharacteristic of this podcast but i want to cut gordon hayward a little bit of a break i feel bad for him um i think he's like genuinely injured and even before uh you know, he came He came back, you know, now the hamstring injury. I think he actually has a fractured shoulder. I'm going to trust his wife. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I don't know her. But it's not as though the Hornets staff has just been, you know, fully transparent with anything the last couple years. I think that he has, like, an actual, like, serious injury, and he rushed back to try to help the team. And I don't really – I don't fault him as much for being hurt. Also, because we knew that when we signed him that there was no chance he was going to play like maybe he would be healthy his first two years but like we're on the back end of that contract I think there was no chance that Gordy was ever going to be healthy I give him a give him a pass and uh Terry Rozier how you know things are going bad for Terry Rozier he has more defensive win shares than offensive win shares and um he's not exactly Marcus Smart
0: no uh back to the Gordon Hayward thing Uh, This goes back. This goes back to like the Mason Plumlee. We're blaming like Clifford for playing him too much, and not necessarily Plumlee for playing and doing the things that he does. It's the same thing with Gordon Hayward. I blame Mitch Kupchak for signing him to this contract of four years, 120 million. Uh, You know that was just a bad contract. We knew it at the time, and we knew this would happen. Um, You know, there was that 30 game stretch his first year where we were like, ah, Gordon Hayward, little renaissance. But uh, ever since then, pretty much, it's been as expected. And it, it was just, you know, a terrible move at the time, terrible move now. Uh, nothing else really to say about it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know,
1: an important thing to remember about the Renaissance period, it's a period of time. It's an extended time where, you know, arts flourished and culture thrived. But it's called a period for a reason because it didn't last forever. And Gordon Hayward, it was just destined to come crashing back to Earth. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it is a bummer that these are the three guys that were brought in to help our team. And they've arguably been our worst rotation players outside of James Booknight.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I love Terry Rozier, the person I got a Terry Rozier jersey for Christmas uh, from my sister's boyfriend. Shout out to him. Uh, Also named him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't deny the facts and he's just been really bad. Uh, outside of like literally yes the the bucks game um his his shooting has just been really off this year he said he said in an interview after the bucks game that uh he put on the lamellos when the mellows when he woke up and mm. that was, like, his shooting was good so uh hopefully he's figured it out maybe he has his confidence back um but uh well yeah. we signed him we also signed him to a to a multi-year extension that um, you know, I'm pulling for that contract to look good because I think I've said that it was good on the podcast multiple times. But I'm looking to looking like I'm wrong right now, uh, because he is <laughs> a very very below average guard at this at this point in the season.
1: There was the Portland game in the first season of the podcast, the game after the Vernon Carey Renaissance, or not, I guess not Renaissance, um, Vernon Carey blow up game. Against the Nets, where we had a whole segment of like, you know, I mean, Terry Rozier is actually younger than CJ McCollum. It's like, you know, I don't know. His stats are looking better right now. No one's calling McCollum a bad contract, and now I'm like, I would love CJ McCollum. That would be so nice. (laughs) That would would be so. You want to take uh,
0: this last this last uh, New Year's resolution, or you can continue going. My bad.
1: Oh, no, I just wanted to say that uh, I hope all these guys get healthy and are happy and are okay and are playing on new teams in <laughs> a month. <laughs> <That> would, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that
0: you started out so nice, and then you're like, please trade all of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, what's the last New Year's resolution? Mark Williams, right?
1: Yeah, so we're going to end on a positive note here. This is super, super small sample size theater here. But um, let's just talk about a pick that's actually working out. And that is Mark Williams. Yeah, as you said, um, he's getting 24% of total rebounds. The next highest on the team is 18%, Mason Plumlee. And he's getting 37% of defensive rebounds. Next closest is 24% for defensive rebounds. And that's just kind of how you get a good defense. It's, you know, obviously very simple and basic, but it's like, if you get the defensive rebound, the possession is over. And offensive rebounds lead to, like I think, 1.23 points per possessions, uh this season. So ending the possession is important. I think the rebounding was the one kind of concern coming in, at least for me, because, um, you know, little slight of frame. But he's got a 4.1% block percentage and not really making any mistakes. He also has the best hands of any Hornets center I can think about other than maybe, like, Al Jefferson. Right. After you know, a decade of being cursed with Biombo and Jason seal and all these guys, just seeing someone with that wingspan, just like, oh, that, that pass is a foot high, it just like goes right into his mitt It's like he's like wearing like a catcher's glove. And he just boom pops it right in. I'm all in on Mark Williams. And so the resolution for him is stay under the radar and hope that Steve Clifford doesn't get pissed off at you for some random reason
0: all right tim i have a random uh off the wall thing for you here let's say you know the league has been talking about like expanding and adding two teams let's say there is an expansion draft and you got to retain uh as many players as you wanted on the hornets right now (laughs) how how many would you actually retain i think it's Lamelo, mark williams and pj washington and that might be it.
1: <laughs> um, are we getting competent? So, as far as like you know, Gordy Terry, like if if we just like our their contracts were off our books and just went to the ether with no penalty, then they're definitely not getting retained. Um, <laughs> I mean, no one would take book night. So, no. yeah. I I, leg- I legitimately think if they're like if Las Vegas got a team tomorrow and cup <laughs> had 30 seconds to decide i don't even think that, that would like cross his mind and then he could just be like oh man i forgot that's crazy <laughs> um now the other guy teo maldon keeping him on the team
0: oh my goodness um yeah maybe dsj too let's let's go ahead and sign dsj to a multi-year deal um okay so that that wraps up our uh new year's resolution we're going to talk uh, all-star game and uh, other random stuff. But first, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, lots of Super Bowls, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet ...each day of the wild card round this weekend. Seriously, I remember when it was Super Bowl 50. That feels like two days ago. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Um, I am not very good at gambling on football, but if I were to place a bet this weekend, I would bet the house on the Chiefs. They have a buy, and I'm pretty sure they aren't going to lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see show notes for details. Got that in one take. Wow. All right, Tim, I just wanted to bullshit about the uh, all-star voting a little bit. Lamella Ball somehow find it, found his way uh, on the ballot, seventh amongst Eastern Conference guards. Uh, in previous years, we were arguing that he should be on the All Star team. Uh, this year, I'm going to not make that argument because he has not played a lot, a lot of the season. But I do think it's pretty hilarious that Tyrese Halliburton is having like this incredible year in Indiana <laughs> and he's still eighth, bro. People know, people know Melo's better than Tyrese Halliburton. And we're going to find out at 5 p.m. today uh, against the Pacers who's actually better.
1: I'm pretty excited. Um, I'd say I, this is like, one of the most exciting games of the season for me thus far. I mean, granted because the games that LaMelo were out, it's like, it's cool. I'm watching them, but, um, not like amped, but for this, a five o'clock Sundays, having those early games, just the best thing ever for someone who goes to bed at like nine o'clock.
0: Yeah. Normally. Yeah. yeah, And just seeing the Halliburton versus Mello uh, matchup. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I hope, I hope Mello shows up and, uh, you know, knocks it out of the park shows. shows you know, we a better player.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. It does come down to just head-to-head matchups. Obviously, nothing else matters. Just
0: one game um, out of the year. This is all that. This is all that matters. The entire year, Tim. This game, dude. This is all I want.
1: We we have you know this this year-long battle, but um, now thinking about it, could you imagine if like we somehow got Tyrese Halliburton? Like if we had like Halliburton and Lamello, wouldn't oh, that just be, be like an amazing backcourt?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, but nah. Fuck Tyrese Halliburton. Fuck your rookie. It's coming back. Uh we're Fuck gonna
1: Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> we're
0: gonna We're gonna uh win this game led by Lamelo's dropping 30 tonight. I can I'm calling it Tim. I'm calling it. Derek Rose. Man also wait, barely wait, wait, so... wait, what's up?
1: LaMelo's getting 30 points. You think he's hitting 10 threes tonight?
0: <laughs> nah, nah. It'll be it'll be nine threes and it'll be two for 11 from two. Uh, <laughs> uh, but not nah, Derrick Rose also almost beat Tyrese Halliburton in votes, which is incredible. Uh, it's been like a decade since Derrick Rose was good at basketball or very, very good at basketball. So pretty wild that he's just like still that famous and able to get the ninth, ninth spot there uh also beat out darius garland in votes so nobody nobody (laughs) likes darius garland apparently that
1: is that is unjust i have to say is somebody (laughs) who actually likes derrick rose a lot that's a little bit much
0: (laughs) it's a little a little rude um all right i have a new year's resolution story to tell This is just completely unrelated to basketball. So turn the podcast off if you don't want to hear it. But, uh, (laughs) new year's resolution for me, uh, me and my friends are doing this challenge where we just run one mile every day. And I'm not, not like a particularly big runner. I am like, like to think I'm in shape and, you know, go to the gym and stuff, but I don't often run. I'll like play basketball. I don't just run consecutively. So did it for a few days, like on the street. And I was like, ah, my legs kind of hurt. I'm going to run on the treadmill today. And, uh, you know, I got on the treadmill and uh, I was pretty, pretty tired, but I was like hyping myself up. I was like, you can do this shit with your eyes closed. Mark, you got this. You can do this in your sleep. Close my eyes for about five seconds. Terrible idea, dude. Flew off the treadmill. Uh, yep. Just hopped back on like nothing happened. The YMCA employee came up and was like, hey, man, are you OK? I was like, yeah, dude, nothing happened. Nothing happened uh and yeah just uh, just a little story for y'all don't don't go flying off treadmill uh <laughs> new year off to a bad start it's pretty pretty embarrassing
1: <laughs> we had that and uh we also had the thing the other day where like we were talking about you know new year's getting in shape this and that and i was like you know man like i've, I've kind of like stopped playing basketball like i just don't want to tear my acl and like have to be out of work because i i broke i fractured my toe this week at work and that that threw us off that's why we're a little delayed i was in pain and uh mark was like dude what are the chances you'd actually like tear your acl playing basketball now though and then i was outside you know walking around and i see this guy wheeling around on like a little scooter and i was like hey man do you mind uh you know can you tell me like what happened and he was like yeah, dude, I decided to play basketball for the first time in, like, six months with my nephews, and I tore my Achilles. Yeah. And it's that, like, you know, my, my schedule's all fucked up.
0: Yeah, that that was while we were on the phone, and I literally had just said, dude, there, I don't know, man, we're still young. Like, you're not going to tear anything. You should play. And then Tim literally <laughs> ran into somebody who tore his Achilles playing basketball. So uh, I'm not going to let that stop me, though, Tim. Uh, I'm dunking in 2023. This is the time of year where I <laughs> play, like, dunk a basketball. All right, so I'm I'm dunking this year, I I so am, like it, yeah. What's up? What's up with media corner?
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I was seeing. Do you do you have anything? No, no. I have a uh, I have two things. One thing. Uh, I saw Avatar two in theaters, and never really cared about Avatar one. Don't think I've really thought about it that much since it came out. Avatar two was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen in theaters. Mm. I you know like the the plot very basic there is a 45 minute kind of like intermission in the movie where it just looks better than like any nature documentary I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Like it looked real. And I was like, Whoa, like the plot, eh. but I'm going to see it again. I thought it was, I thought it was good enough. And yeah, I, I would support it. Now they're going to come out with avatar three, four, and five as well. Wait, what? Cause this movie made, Yeah, they they filmed Avatar 1, 2, and 3 like semi, like, you know, kind of like concurrently. And so Avatar 2 had to make like one and a half billion dollars to be like profitable for the other ones. And once it hit that threshold, it like hit a trigger on the contract. Wow. Yeah. So now Avatar, it's it's weird. It's not like a spoiler for anything, but anyone that saw the first one, it was all about like, you know, the Marine that went into the woods and sort of the family like he like he's barely in the second one it's like a family movie it's like it's a weird comparison but they're pretty much making avatar like into roots what where it's yes like avatar is going to be like a generational like following a family yeah yeah so i would uh i was surprised i didn't expect to really like it that much but um yeah it was it was a solid movie and it's worth seeing in theaters
0: I probably won't, but uh, shout out to everybody shout out to you for seeing it dude what's your what's your second one <laughs> um
1: my second one is uh, a shout out to modest Mouse of all things uh their original drummer uh Jeremiah Green passed away over uh you know like new year's and I just have to say I think for a lot of people when they hear about modest Mouse they think about like the song float on mm-hmm. I've been and actually I, listening it, to that song a lot right
0: now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's it's... like my morning wake-up, going to the gym song.
1: And that is, you know, it's a banger of a song and off a great album. But their, like, initial... Their first three albums, you know, they're from, like, West Texas, and they're just... They just have, like, a really weird upbringing, but their first three albums sound nothing like that song, and they're these... Maybe like the strangest, successful indie albums of the late 90s. Very indio, india, Socratic sound. And um, yeah, I just think that it's underrated, but I always enjoyed them. I didn't really get into them until I was probably like 19. But as a Hornets fan, I kind of appreciate it because so much of the ethos of their songs are just, hey, life is weird. Life kind of sucks, but there are good things. And it'll be like, oh, I saw a great movie. And they write a great song about it. And it's like, you know what, man? Being a Hornets fan kind of sucks. But remember when Steven Jackson had that triple-double against the Phoenix Suns in 2010? That was kind of worth it all. And so, yeah, just a shout-out to Modest Mouse and check out their first, I guess, four records.
0: All right. That's a great trans- transition, Tim. Uh, you know, being a Hornets fan kind of sucks. But we might get Victor Wemanyama. So, wish casting for Wemby. We're bringing it back. I'm pressing the Sin Lottery button right now, Tim. Ooh, didn't get it. Minnesota got it. Uh, San Antonio, Houston, Toronto, Houston, Houston.
1: Charlotte! Let's go! Hey! Let's, go! let's go! We got Wemby, dude! We got right, Wemby, Let's bro. run the let's <laughs> run the podcast back, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Shout out to the supporters of the podcast, T.C. Cunningham, Isaac Black, Xavier Harvin, Dan Joseph, Brandon Garcia, Austin Johnson, John Peters. I think I just broke the record for saying that the fastest I ever have. Uh, yeah, thank you to everybody <laughs> who supports the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our window. The link is in the show notes.
1: Yeah, and thank you to everyone that's taken the time to listen to this deep into the episode and all of our ramblings. We really appreciate it if you could be so kind as to rate, review, subscribe, recommend, and do everything else you want. Again, walk around your apartment complex, go to a local gym, and play this on speakers. Don't do sure, that. Sure, many that's... people will ask
0: you. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> actually, actually do do that, but you're gonna get you're gonna get a, a word from people. I think. All right, Tim, it's been real. All
1: right, it's been real. Be safe out there. Look at Mark. Peace. Peace.